I know that you work through means. But God, we would never want the means to be exalted above the ultimate messenger. And that's you. So would you, through your words, by your spirit, speak our hearts? I've never heard your voice in my natural ear. Boy, have, have I received some thoughts, some impressions, some promptings from you to do something or to stop doing something. And it was unmistakable. That had to be from God. So I ask you to do that again this morning. You would speak to us. That you would reveal yourself to us. That your word would become in our souls. It wouldn't just be information that we should away and remember in a conversation and act like we know stuff. It would be words of loving you. Come on, come on. You're not doing this. You need to do this. Let's go. Words of correction. Words of encouragement. Words of consolation. I'm with you. You're not alone. You can do this because I'm with you. God, would you speak to us? When we leave, might we know? Or we really have heard from God. That today really is incidental, maybe even inconsequential. We've heard from God. God, for our benefit and for your glory, would you speak to us as we just said? In Jesus' name. Thank you. 
Word of God and trust the career to God. So why do we do what we do? To be seen of others or for the glory of God? Motive always matters more than ever. Motive always matters more than ever. We're stuck on methodology. This works. We're not used to it. But now this works. The glorified God always works. And, and if it's ever true that it is true in all other applications, it's essentially true. It's especially true in the issue of fasting. Jesus did the construction, stop trying to impress people, that you can be seen. But instead, verse 17, when you fast, and don't your head, don't your head, wash your face when you're done praying or, or, or whatever you're not doing. You get that just a moment. Fasting is not what you don't do. I don't eat, I don't sleep, I don't whatever I'm not doing. Fasting is not what you don't do, it's what you do instead. I'm using that time to do this instead. I'm using that time to pursue Christ instead. Time I'm using that time to, to seek the face of God. Time and energy I would use in sleeping, and yes, you, you do spend some energy in your sleeping. I'm going to spend that time awake encountering the living God. But I'm not doing this to impress anybody else. Me and my redeemer. So when I'm done, I, I don't come dragging out and say, Oh man, I've been fasting. No, wash your face, anoint your head, so that your fasting may not be seen by others. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I've never been more invigorated. Brothers, yeah, I've been fasting. <laughs> Aren't I amazing? Don't be doing that. Oh, 
going to have or have not been spending some real quality time with Jesus. We'll figure that out. And maybe we try to impress because we know we haven't, so i got to compensate for that in some external kind of manipulation. Don't give in to that. Let's, let's be earnest and sincere about seeking God and let Him reveal the quality and the effect of, of, of that encounter. First Old Testament references, Ezra, chapter 8. Now Ezra was, was the shepherd of all He's not a king, sort of kind of a priest. Ezra is the guy that God is using to help me. I'll give you some historical We're way past the days of Moses. We are out of the Exodus. Um, the people of God have been established. Uh, but then they were subdued. Egyptian slavery, and then years later, the Assyrians conquered Israel, at least the ten northern tribes, and then the two southern tribes were conquered by the Babylonians, and then ultimately the Babylonians were overwhelmed by the Persians, and through all of this upheaval, political upheaval, Israel is suffering. Well, it's, it's at the end of that that Ezra, he takes many of the people who were enslaved. Syrians, and they're released now, and they're going home, and they just rebuilt back in Jerusalem, back in Israel, and they rebuilt the temple, and it's really a, 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 a wonderful, encouraging time. And he says, "I'll claim the past there in in Syria, in the river Hahab, and we might call ourselves before our God." We're going to humble ourselves before God. Don't get to the word fasting again. Our motive is to seek from Him safe journey for ourselves, our children, and our stuff. We've been slaves in Babylon for 70 years. But God has so worked. It's a beautiful story. It's about three or four sermon series how He set them free. And they're now on their way home. Here's our emotional literal dilemma. God is so gracious and we're so happy and we've been bragging about the goodness of God. I was ashamed. I was ashamed to, to ask the team for, for protection for soldiers, which we probably could have got. Because the king's been so gracious and the king's been so open. Okay, you're free. Go home. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. I was ashamed because I've been bragging. I've been bragging about the faithfulness of God. Because I said the hand of our God is, 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 is for good on all who seek Him. And in the power of His wrath is against all. God will take care of us. God's faithful. He, he, he will work out for us. And we Christians, we say stuff like this. And the Israelites, they, they were saying stuff like that. But one thing I 
mostly, mostly, mostly want a father to her. He overhears a plot to kill Artaxerxes, because he's a crazy man. And even though he's Jewish, he, he tells his supervisor, who tells his supervisor, and word gets back to the king that there's a plot to kill you, and this guy, this Jewish guy, is the one who tips us off, and it happens to be her, your wife's uncle. And so now he's aware of their faithfulness and loyalty to him. Now, what's going on? Her dad sends her a message and says, Look, girl, this is what's happening. And you have the king's ear. She makes, I have the king's ear, but do you remember what happened to his first wife? So there's some exchange going on, chapter 4, verse 20. I can't do this. He's crazy. i, I got to protect myself. Does that sound logical to any of us here? We know what the Bible says, but that's extreme. And it's way too risky. And besides, that was long ago and far away. That's how they did it then. We make all these justifications. And that's where Esther finds herself. Mordecai, her dad, uncle says, verse 13, do, you not, do, do, do not think to yourself that in the king's house you need to be more than all the other Jews. They don't kill us, they don't kill us wherever we live. Don't think just because you're married to the king that you're going to escape. Haman is trying to kill all of us. If you keep silent this time, the devil's will rise for the Jews from another place. I love the confidence and the sovereignty of God. Verse 14 is beautiful. But baby, you're, you're the one that seems to be the most uniquely placed to speak up. But if you don't, God can be up anybody. Don't ever think that our faithfulness is the only possible way to achieve his purposes. I'm not essential to the life of the first Baptist church. First Pastor Jose, Noah's pastor, what's his name? God is the last I'm the only man that, that can love Barnaby. Some men can't take it. I Thank you. 
Virgin girl 
who's engaged, and before the ceremony, the bridegroom dies. And all of her hopes and dreams are, I'm going to marry Mr. Wonderful. This, this is it. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But now all of her dreams have been crushed. And he's dead. And I'm not getting married. And oh my goodness. Will I, I ever smile again? Joel was saying, that's how we should be crying. In our desperation. Yeah. He gives us the cultural illustration of a, a young girl. This is French charming. And right the night before, let's say, boom, it's all washed away. We should be crying like that. You know why? Verse 9. Talk about the grain offering and the grain offering the cut off from the house of the Lord. That's what the locust was. Not the locust you people. You people are rebellious. You people are disobedient. You, you, you go to the temple. We go to church. We don't sacrifice. We, we don't serve. We, that's what he wants. Leave me alone. Why are you acting out? I'm in church. I'm one of the good guys. Stop all these demands. We should cry like the person who lost everything. There's no rain. There's no rain. The priest mourns. The ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns. The grain is destroyed. The wine dries up. There is oil. He's saved. Arms fail. Hydrates. Feet and barley. The harvest of the fields perish. Rise up, the fig tree languishes, pomegranate, palm, apple, the trees of the field are dried up, no fruit. Nothing. N U T T I N. This is what I wrote in crying. Our whole lives trying to avoid sackcloth. That's the American Thank you. 
and the dream offering are in hell. There's no blessing. We manufacture blessings. We call the music this Sunday was amazing. Well, music is just saying louder and faster. You can open up your emotions. Yeah, wonderful. You can hold the same old table. We, we can manufacture, we can manipulate emotion. And, and we can give more money. We can give it, we can't give it to them. We'll have fundraisers. We'll do it. We can't give it, we'll generate it. We can get money, we can have emotion. But intimacy with Christ, you can't substitute that. You can have it if you don't. You can be all worked up with smiles and presses or does it mean what is Ten minutes to out the door. Okay, who's got who's playing today? What's the game? Church is over. I'll check in next week. That's what's going on there. You think it doesn't happen to all of us at various times? And what breaks that that I'm satisfied with nothing? What shows that? That's what he's going through here. Skip to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus himself is fasting. How about that? You're looking for a model, model, you want an example? Jesus himself is fasting in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 1. Jesus was led by the Spirit. God led him to pressure. After fasting for four days and forty nights, he was hungry. Well, I just so. Forty days and forty nights. Now, I don't know if that means he went sleepless for forty nights. I can't tell that. It passed out somewhere. But a bunch of those nights, there's, there's no sleep. For forty days and forty nights, it's on kind of cycle he's keeping. He's drinking just enough to keep alive. He's not fast, and he's not eating, and all the energy and time spent on eating is now spent on God, you have to help me, because I'm about to go to war with Satan. We don't ask God to do that because we deceive ourselves thinking we're not at war with Satan. Right. <clears throat> you wonder why I have all these terrible thoughts. Because you're at war with Satan and you don't even know it. Right. Right. My kids are coming a crazy, bizarre rebellion because Satan's all over them and you don't know it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Satan comes in verse 3. If you really are the Son of God, as if Jesus has to prove that, if you really are the Son of God, you know what would be? I, I, this, this would be impressive. If you command these stones to just turn them to bread, stone, turn to bread. They said, well, that'd be impressive. I might even believe then. Have you asked God to jump through your hoops or, oh, now I'll believe? God's not sufficient. The history of the world is not sufficient. You're looking for your 
take nine days. All that time. All that time. How many she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Christ to all who were waiting for the same hope, the same comfort, the same consolation. I don't want to pray that for a very long time. You can do the math. She lived the 84. Well, she was 84 at that point. So uh, she married for seven years. How old was she when she got married? This one was the past 50 years. How she had eaten some? I mean, she's alive. But her routine is prayer fasting for 50 some years. 60 maybe some years. And it's all driven by one thing. We will get to see Jesus in the flesh. Our King will come and we'll get to see him. And it's in this very passage, Luke chapter 2, that Joseph and Mary bring into Jesus to the temple and they present him before him. And Simeon got to see it. And Anna got to see it. What are you asking God to let you see? And what are you fasting and praying for because I'm desperate to see it? The restoration of your marriage? The redemption, saving of your children? Or I think a lottery. What are you pursuing? Wow. What are you asking God to do for you? Yeah. What's so urgent and such a priority that you'll skip eating and drinking and sleeping and crying out to God instead of doing those things that God might hear your prayer and bring his request? What's that important to you? Stuff that's consumed in this world? Or stuff that lasts for eternity. What's really driving us at the core? Becomes the question. I'm going to slow down a bit. I've got three references left. This last one, the beginning of the last one, Philippians chapter 3. For me, the word fasting doesn't exist in the passage, but for me, this is the attitude, this is the essence philosophically about fasting. Right here in this passage for Holy Spirit. Starting in verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Follow my example. I'm encouraging you, not because I'm amazing and, and I, I know the answers, but I, I, this, this life has been working well for me. It's the life that Christ has called me to. I endorse this way of living to you as well. Join in the imitating me and keep your eyes not just on me, but on others like me who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul said, I'm not the only one. Rather to live like this. 
Jesus made this clear. There's two ways to get through life. There's really only two ways to get through life. There's a very narrow gate, and there's a very straight way. And that narrow gate, but the straight way, is the hard way, but that way leads to life. There is a very broad there's a very wide way, and it's a whole lot of fun, but that way leads to death. The Bible is oversimplified to that succinct illustration. There's two ways to get through this world. And these enemies of the cross have chosen the easy way, the wide way, the broad way, that Jesus can see most people are going to go that way. Most people go that way. And he says here, they're in this destruction. And two, this is what made me attach this passage to passage. Their God is their belly. Yeah. You can take that literally. We live to eat. And then you catch that. Have you been to this new restaurant? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I've never had Phil in your ear in such a view. Well, the way they present that, all the atmosphere looks just amazing. Oh my goodness! Oh my because we love these experiences, we love these moments. We are not just in, in, in the sense of eating or in the sense of buying stuff, buying houses, buying cars, buying nicer cars, faster cars, old cars made to look like new cars. That's my guilty confession. We consume stuff. We are consumers. Yeah. And that's the line here. Their God is what I can ingest either literally into my body or emotionally into my life right. Right. or into my garage or into my storage unit that I'm paying for. Right. Right. I got so much stuff I can't fit in my house. I got to get another room to put it. We got our stuff. Their God is their God. Third line. Their glory, they glory in their shame. Well, we'll do that. Well, wait, wait. You're telling me that when you don't get with your friends from the high school reunion, <laughs> I'm going to remember when. Then you sit in church and wait. That's not fun. Yeah. Watching the video. Yeah, that's true. That's not fun. Has your small group ever deviated into laughing about stuff that's not funny? That's how the enemies of the cross live. I'm not making this up. Just read the scriptures and understand what I'm saying. The enemies of the cross, verse 18, this is the description of their life. There's four lines, and we're at the third one. Finally, it says, and their minds are set on earthly.
doing it way out of balance. You really are. You just are living for this world and all the things you can consume in this world. All the experiences, all the pleasures. And we take photos of all of our trips. We pass on Facebook so people can be in this our wonderful life. That's the way enemies are crossing. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. And all they think about is more experiences than the earth.
saying more now. For car than what your parents paid for the house. Oh, that's right. And it's no big deal. In fact, you're thinking about buying another one that the first time. Because we're attached to this world. And fasting is what helps me break from the world's grip. I say, I live in this world and I operate in this world. But this is not my home. This is not what defines me. You live in the flesh. You're obsessed with flesh. You cannot please God. The rest of the passage here, and, and, and we skip down to verse still in chapter eight. We skip over to verse twelve. Skip to verse twelve. Still in chapter eight. Let's go to verse twelve. So then, because what we just read is true. Because that's true. We are debtors, not to the flesh. What's the flesh done for me? What is the flesh done for you? It's giving you some pleasures and some moments. You've had some pleasures and moments. Girl, you look good in that dress. That guy, he's got the t-shirt too small, he got the biceps. <laughs> One or the other. The flesh will do something for you. But not lasting. Certainly not eternal. If you live upon the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, that's what fasting does for me. Fasting does, I don't have to eat that much all the time. I don't have to sleep that much all the time. I don't have to do this thing. I don't have to go to this place. My life doesn't end. Oh, you got to do that. You, you ain't lived if you do that. I didn't live. Oh, I've been with Jesus in so many places. Let me tell you about life. <laughs> what drives your life? What leads you? What motivates you? What compels you? Do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Oh, what if I don't get this? What if I don't go there? What if I never get to see? What is it you have seen?
finish up Hebrews 13. Verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 4. Let's finish up. So let brother love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. By doing so, angels have been entertained by the earth. Remember those in prison. Prison with them. Those who are mistreated. You're also the body. Here we go. Let marriage be held in honor. Marriage bed be undefiled. God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. He's calling for this kind of compassion, both generally, brotherly love, down to the most intimate human relationship in marriage. He says, this text of compassion and love and other centeredness, this is what comforts us, this is what sustains us. And then we skip, and I skip the one in verse 5. No break here. Same chapter, verse 5. He might leave you all over again. So I, I, I wanted to give you those first four verses because if you just read verse 5, you say, well, here's another. Bible says we, we, we were supposed to be poor. No, we should be rich in love, verse 1 through 4. We should be rich in intimacy. We should be rich in relationships. We should be rich in, in interaction with one another. Yeah. Right. Our wealth is not green. It's blood red. Yeah. Come, on. Come on. That's right. That's right. And if I have that kind of wealth, I'm not nearly as enticed to 21st century American kind of man. Right. Well, Pastor, you talk about this rich stuff on Sunday, but it ain't Sunday. That's only one day a week. You gotta live in this world. I just said 20 minutes ago, you gotta live in this world, you gotta function, but you don't have to be obsessed with this right. world. Right. Right. When I catch myself getting going in, being obsessed with this world, it's fasting that sets me free. Yeah. Yeah. It's fasting that sets me free. Be content with what you have. Yeah. Remember verse 24? I have a wife, I have kids, I have grandkids. I love them crazy most of the time. <laughs> and vice versa. Be content. You know what? Because he said, I'll never leave you, never say you. I've had friends said to me, and they did. God help me, I, I think I've said it to other people, and I'm not sure I'll live up to my commitment. God has never broken his promise to love me and never forsake me. Compassion has to fall up in his lap and be consoled and comforted and rebuked and energized. And I don't know what word to use. He just kind of numbs you up. Swap me on the back, tap me on the head, and say, You're okay, boy. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing fine, son. Stay on track. Be content. I'll never be leaving. That's not enough. Oh, I enjoy these, 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 you know, all the kids are out of the house. And, <laughs> she really loves it when the grandkids come over, and I do too for 20 minutes. 
And that's after popcorn. You think I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. And I still keep this felt in the
Thank you. 